Sean is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 113 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow everything Built in Buffalo is doing. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. It's a takeover. Built in Buffalo underscore. We are your hosts. I am Matt. He is Tony. Tony, what's going on? I want to beat Chicago Bears for Christmas. Only beating all the Bears will do. In the weather, they immerse of low temperatures. And only a cold weather wind will do. Matt, good day to you, sir. Good day to you. Happy holidays. Happy we holidays as well. Holidays. I have to confess, I don't really yes. know that song. And it was probably uh, apparent. I don't really know that song. And I think it was obvious. No, no, it that, worked out. I thought it came out well. Is it I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas, which is the most insane off-the-wall song? <laughs> Any holiday song that incorporates animals is just, what were they thinking? Oh, really? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Dominic, Dominic the Donkey. Yeah, even Rudolph. He can't be a regular reindeer. He's got to have a red nose. Got to be an outcast. I guess you're right. That's insane. A lighting up, a nose that illuminates. Like, like yeah, it's a you. deep sea. Like it's one of those deep sea fish that it's like you see on National Geographic. Yeah. They're like, oh, it illuminates. What the? An angler fish. Is that what they're called? I don't know. Maybe. Is it? Very impressive knowledge, if that's true. If it's right. No, I thought it was a good pair yet. Even though you didn't know the song, I thought it was well done. And it is a winter wonderland outside in the western new york area right now it is indeed i I think that we are both enjoying days off right now affording us the opportunity to give our listeners some content a little after which will be if i'm if i may predict this will be the best episode ever produced on witty not funny sports wow well we're two minutes in and you raised the bar so high there's no way we can match that (laughs) Nope, we will absolutely you, you have not set be expectations for us. No, you have set expectations way too high for this show and for us personally. Listeners, I will tell you now, Tony is not of the right state of mind. He has Stockholm Syndrome, being stuck inside <laughs> all day. I do. This is not going to be a good show. I am uh, <laughs> fighting off a, a cough and a cold. Uh, this is my Michael Jordan flu game, if you will. I will. I got my handy, handy dandy uh, glass of water right by my side. So if I sound a little different, hopefully I sound better. That is why. Yeah. You just sound a little nasally, but in a good way. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. It shows some heart. You're playing with all You know who else there. they said bloody, sounded nasally, Tony? Bloody sock. Who's that? The the guy who does voices for the movie trailers. And look where he is now. That's a good point. And similarly, world. who's the comedian that does the impression of that guy? Pablo? Pablo Francisco. I think something like yes, that. Yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. Yes. Man, I'm hitting all the random trivias today. <laughs> yeah, you really are. Sign me up for Jeopardy. Tony, it is the holiday season. Last week, we did our Hansel Award. I gave my 
Haas Award to gift giving. I thought we'd keep that ball rolling this week. A couple of days before Christmas, we're well into Hanukkah. The holiday season is in full force. I thought we would give the listeners our choices are for gifts Bills players would receive for their holiday. It could be a witty response. It could be an actual response with a with a witty explanation. But what do you think some of the Bills players this year would be receiving from Santa or whoever they celebrate holidays with? Tony, would you like to kick off and do the honors? Uh, I would love to, Matthew. I think that Santa will be going to the Diggs household. And I, I think that Stefan will be receiving on Christmas morn a novelty giant foam finger that one might see oh. at a basketball game. Because that guy has been just doing the tour day, the New York and Southern Ontario of basketball games. <laughs> hitting up a Raptors game, hitting up a Syracuse Orange game in the same week. I'm like, this guy's bananas. This guy's bananas for b-ball. Good thing they weren't riding bikes. In so Syracuse. he needs a foam finger. Wow. Too soon? <laughs> Not soon enough. Yes, uh, Diggs doing the tour of uh, some b-ball games. Diggs is a hot topic lately. Am I going to see him at one of my of, high school uh... basketball games soon? Oh, I hope so. That'd be. I hope so that'd too. Be interesting. Do you have any high high level collegiate prospects? There might be one this year. Okay. There, there, uh, there might be one. It's very tough to tell. When we have stars on the team, it seems like oh, this kid's going to like UB, or this kid must be going to James Madison, and then they go to like Geneseo. And I'm always like, watch, really? But no, not no, so not to Geneseo. Very, mm, debatable, but the, <laughs> but it is it is tough for me to tell. How that kind of shakes out. Okay, interesting. So maybe you will see Stefan Diggs. Uh, him maybe and Josh Allen, Gabe Davis, Tanner Gentry at the Syracuse game the other night. Yeah, they're just getting in the getting in the athletic tour. They're they're ambassadors mm. for the area, Tony. I, I'm okay with them being out and about do, doing what they do. Uh Diggs is a hot topic lately in the in the media. A lot of um mic'd up sessions recently have Stefan Diggs is kind of quote unquote demanding a little wanting the ball getting frustrated when balls and thrown his way some of these pre-madonna notions that we suspected in Minnesota some people are thinking are, are coming to the forefront here as the season goes on what, what are your thoughts about that um, my thoughts are we brushed on this in a previous episode when we said it's interesting because Stefan Diggs maybe thinks the offense is better when he gets the ball more and sounds like a prima donna operation, but also sounds like he's right. So <laughs> who am I to complain if I agree with him? That's the thing. It's like, oh, your best player wants the ball more. What a terrible yeah. thing. Yeah. And we're used to seeing the offense play a lot better. So. All right. You're ready for my here. first, first gift here. I've been waiting all morning for it. Wow. That, no. Prepare to be let down. I'm going dual gift for my first one. And that's both. Dawson Knox and Josh Allen, they're going to get from Santa a JC Penny photo shoot session. <laughs> okay. Of course, Take Bill's me Mafia. I mean, I know. know Dawson Knox and Josh Allen love to, after scoring a touchdown, love to, to pose, create wonderful photo ops for the fans, sometimes referencing different pop culture movies. I thought this would be a, a, a nice formal way to express their creativity. Do a little uh, old school retro background, maybe some ugly sweaters. You know, the typical JCPenney flair you always get the holiday season. Yeah, maybe some lasers. Maybe some lasers. Maybe uh, I would I would take uh, a laser or two for these guys. Fake looking snow and wreath. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking go all out with it. It goes like 
big time like uh what what Jeffrey Dahmer glasses <laughs> used to be big in the 80s like just go all retro those are coming uh, back lasers I know it's because of Jeffrey Dahmer yeah that's a good point yeah Jeffrey Dahmer is having a moment I bet you didn't uh, think coming into 2022 yes. that this would be the year Jeffrey Dahmer has a moment but here we are no no here we are so I just thought like instead of the impromptu touchdown celebration photo shoot they'd like to be in a more formal setting a little more picturesque setting and that is of course the famous JC Penny photo studio yes I think that would be a lovely gift and very thoughtful knowing those two gentlemen. Yeah. For what they like to do, which is take pictures. Oh, your second one. Yeah. My second one. I believe that a great gift for Santa to give on the morn of Christmas. Let's give Gregory Rousseau a little Christmas break reading material. I, I believe we should give him the 1755 classic discourse on inequality by his ancestor, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Because since that guy got here, all this hype about, I haven't heard him drop one enlightenment thought the entire time. He has not explained anything to me. Yeah, he hasn't explained anything to me about society or about political structures of our world, past or present. I don't know what this guy's doing. Focused on football. You're a Rousseau, Gregory. Get your shit together. I need you in the Parisian salon showing us what's up. And that starts uh, with his need, ancestor. We need some enlightenment from Greg. Yeah, we so. need a little enlightenment. We need a lot like of enlightenment it. I like from Greg Russo. Well, what's that show where like Larry David finds out he's an ancestor of, or related to Bernie Sanders? Who do you like think you are? Tree? Who do you think you are? Yes, yeah. Greg Russo needs to go on that and learn about his family lineage and mm-hmm. really tap into the Jean-Jacques Rousseau side of his, his family tree. Right, which surely exists. I can't think of one piece of evidence, just not knowing, without knowing him, I can't think of one piece of evidence that I wouldn't assume that he's the descendant of a French intellectual. Well, look at it this way, Tony. From Europe. How many other, how many other Rousseaus are there out there that you know? That's a good point. That's a Very good point. little. Mm-hmm. Very little. Mm-hmm. I've never seen another Rousseau in my life. So <laughs> Not EAU it, it could, Rousseau. It could match. No. No. Well, it could it um, could match. It does match. We must assume it matches. I have it, to get him to. my favorite of his books, A Discourse on Inequality. I like it. Study up, Greg. I also had Greg Rousseau. This isn't my second one, but I'll real quick. I think we should get him an Invisalign. And, and this goes to Leon <laughs> Dawkins as well. I'm done with the adult races. I was on them when they first got drafted. They were fine. I, I'm kind of over them. Tony, my second one. I'm going to my favorite player, your favorite player. Maybe the consensus favorite player of the fan base, one Bobby Hart. And Don't throwing make it back me to chuckle. Uh-huh. 80s, 80s, 90s with Bobby Hart's gift that Santa will bring him. And it will be a My Buddy doll because Bobby Hart has no friends and he needs a buddy. <laughs> yeah. And the only option is a My Buddy doll. I let me so. read to is you the, the, doll the My Let me read to you the My Buddy theme song, the official song used in the marketing and commercials of the My Buddy doll. It goes, my buddy, wherever I go, he goes, my buddy, I'll teach him everything that I know. Who better to listen to Bobby Hart's ridiculousness, conspiracy theory, nonsense, than a non-sentient doll that he can just bestow his inaccuracies and uneducated thoughts on? (laughs) I think that's correct. Until he gets traded to Green Bay, I think his best hope is that doll. I think so. You never, you never heard of my buddy. I think it was like the basis of like Chucky, the horror doll. Oh, okay. 
No, I'm not familiar with my buddy. I grew up with real life uh, human friends. So I guess that was not on my radar. Oh, sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Didn't mean to bring you down to my level of imaginary doll friends. Oh, okay. It happens. For a brief second. Tony, your third and final Bills player and what they will receive as their holiday gift here. I believe that Santa, in this case, you might call him Santa Baby, because I think that we need to bring Mitch Morse his one true love. Let me break it down for you. So that is. Mitch Morse, as you know, is on his 18th concussion of his life. Unfortunately. And now, of course, Mitch Morse, from that, as anyone would, Mitch Morse suffers from the brain scramblies. And as you and all our listeners know who watch the show, What We Do in the Shadows, they know when you get the brain scramblies, the only cure for the brain scramblies is seeing your true love. And that will bring your brain unscrambled. So Mitch Morse needs his one true love because he has the brain scramblies flannel shirts yeah i also considered buying him a (laughs) melissa and doug baby puzzle i like how you go melissa and doug that's very classy of you oh yeah i mean nothing but the best he's just our little baby mitch morris he needs the best what we do in the shadows great show great show highly recommend one of the true underrated comedies for my final one tony i'm gonna go to the coaching staff i'm gonna switch it up a little and this seem might seem like an obvious one but it seems like an obvious one in the way that like Every year, someone receives socks. It's got that kind of vibe to it. I'm going offensive line coach Aaron Cromer. I'm getting him a new beach chair. Yep. Yep. It was right there. Uh Uh-huh. It was right there. He needs it. He keeps destroying beach chairs year after year. (laughs) Maybe punching kids in the process. No beach chair is safe. No beach chair is safe. The guy needs to re-up. The beach chair business has never been so strong as to when Aaron Cromer is on the scene. The Walmart closest to his house has just aisles that they have to keep on stack. (laughs) He's clearing those out. Other people are buying toilet paper and necessities during these storms. Mm -hmm. We know where Aaron Cromer's head's at. He needs some beach chairs. He needs some beach chairs. (laughs) Any honorable mentions or any that didn't Uh, make the cut for you? The honorable mention that I have is really more of an honorable mention to uh, my significant other, my fiance, the one that unscrambles my brain. And it's only because when I was just like brainstorming this, there was like the obvious low hanging fruit of a joke and say, I'm going to get Cole Beasley a book. And then I wrote (laughs) that. And then I'm like, well, I know that's not good enough, but you know, I wrote that in the, in the brainstorming session. And then uh, she looked at that and she goes, "What is? you can't get Cole Beasley a book. He doesn't know how to read. So that's that honorable mention of, uh, yeah, right on cue. Then one upsmanship of my love. Wow. That's very, mm-hmm. what a sweet sentiment. Sweet <laughs> I know. Nothing. That's a it keeper, a Tony. <laughs> Tell me about it. No you books. know who else is a keeper? For you. Who? He's 98 years old and he's about to sing us a song. <laughs> is it Martavius Levy? <laughs> AKA Martin? It is, it, is one in the, it is one in the same. Do you think a former Bills player, Martavius Lewis, is Marv Levy's great grandson? I mean, in Both the, could be in Marv. the well, in the Levy era of when he was the pseudo GM, I kind of assumed that they were all that every player that he acquired was somehow in his family or a f- friend of the family, right? And that's how uh, they made it into the league. Yeah, yes. John Cordero was like his grandfather was Levy's old neighbor, you know, that kind of thing. Yes, yes, exactly. John DiGiorgio was like his mailman. Yeah. Yeah, very common job for people to have when they're 20. Yeah, of course. Paperboy. Fine, Tony. Yes. Good rewrite. I was trying to give him more credentials than. All right. You ready to throw it to Marv? Talk some Bills, Dolphins. Big game. Here we go. I want to hear that sultry voice. Yes. Marv, 
take it away. We'll be back after the break. Go, go. Bills fight, Bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Tony, let's talk this big AFC East matchup. Bills, Dolphins for control of the AFC East. It seemed like a lot of hype going into this game. Tony, let's start off our game review the same way we do as every week with the So Bad It's Good review. Tony, I feel like this could be a a good one. You set the bar high earlier in the episode saying this might be the best episode. So I feel like I need to step it up here. So are you ready for the So Bad It's Good review? Yeah, always. Here we go. Hit the music. We head to the snow globe in the Ralph where the Dolphins look to shake up the AFCs. But it was Greg Rososhi and Josh Hashimi Allen eating their fish raw on this Saturday night. Quentin Morris and Naheem Hines popped their end zone cherry like it was prom night as they acne padded their stats and kept up stride for stridex with Mike Zidaniel and the Dolphins offense. Waddle and Hill were telling the Bills Mafia babes in the stands that chicks dig the long ball, but the Dolphins sideline was singing, I wish I was a little bit colder. I wish I had bolder pair of shoulders. I wish Kyrie Ulam had a bigger folder. I wish I could figure out why Scully never married Molder. The Dolphins hit a new ski low with their second straight loss as they couldn't stop the X-Files factor that is Josh Alien. The truth is out there, and that truth is the Buffalo Bills are once again your AFC East champions. Bills win 32-29, and all of a sudden, our snow melting hot going into the final weeks of the season. Tony, that's our review. When Romo called him an alien, I can't believe at the lack of puns that were being made of Alan to alien. Like, you'd think this would have already been on a t-shirt. Josh Alien. So seamless, right? It seems so obvious. Yeah. And it's just right there. It's right there. Stepping up, people. Mm-hmm. Tony, you went to the game, right? Yes, I did go to the game. Well, it was well, before we get it in, was, before we get into that, let, let's talk about how uh we, we went a little viral this both you and I. Oh, that's right. That's right, we did. We we did. The the Way Not Funny Sports Twitter handle had a had a nice little viral James Cook tweet out there a little how it started how it's going that racked up over 2200 likes so thank you everyone for for liking that and tony you and some of witty nation's finest were uh on our local channel four during the tailgate we were it's always nice to spend time with some fans and that's all we know them as they're not our friends the no but yes uh so there is a holiday tradition within uh, within the lore of those that we tailgate with. And yes. it is that for uh, that for an hour, we will play the Happy Holidays for yes. Channel 4 jingle. Uh, and we will play it on repeat for a straight hour, 120 straight plays, much to the annoyance of whoever is unfortunate enough to park next to us on a given on a given time at a given day. Which I don't uh, know why they're annoying. Well, it's a great song. I know, me neither. It's a banger. So almost, it's like getting to be that time. And who shows up? at the tailgate in a Christmas miracle, three representatives from channel four itself. Immediately we get the songs going. We start jamming out. They take many videos of us. They take many pictures of us. They're so excited that this is a piece of culture. And we were lucky enough. We were wondering, I'm like, I wonder what will become of this footage. Will we be a commercial in the resurrection of this jingle? Still could happen, but we were at least, okay. uh, yeah, we were at least on the news, hanging out, yeah. rocking out to to that song. I was in the chair, but a lot of people really enjoyed it, and, and uh, it was nice to uh, be out there. We've broken through, and good and good for the tailgate group because usually solicitors uh, get the boot 
literally immediately. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. They were so they weren't soliciting the Channel Four people. Niagara chocolates, luckily, so they're okay. <laughs> Some viral moments for Woody Not Funny Sports this this week. So th- thank you all mm-hmm. for for recognizing us, Tony. But tell me about and that's uh, why you're your sick right now, man. Experience. That's why I'm sick. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Tell me about your game experience. Was it a was it a winter wonderland as it looked like on TV? I would say that's well, wonderland is a strong statement. It was wintry and it was it's controversial as to how wintry is acceptable um, in the sense that, you know, you arrive to your seat and your seat is just straight buried. And so we were dealing with that. They gave us a lot of snow and we all saw on TV and in real life what happened with that snow. It found its way very quickly into ball form and then found its way very quickly into the backs of many heads or into the uh, into the turf. I, of course, did not throw any snowballs. I'm not so irresponsible as to do such a thing. But many came from behind me. Many came from in front of me. Many landed on people in the 100 level. Many landed on people who were on the field. I watched Raekwon Davis sitting on the bench, the heated bench. You're welcome. Sitting on the heated bench and uh, just get nailed in the back of the head, no helmet. Just, I just watched this like bald black head, just get absolutely pulverized by a snowball coming fastball straight down the middle. And he was pissed. He was, he looked, he looked back like, yeah, like he looked back like someone started trying to start a fight with him. He's like staring people down in the crowd. He was so mad. It was hilarious. And only a few of us saw it. Only me and Ted Lasso, the person who sits in front of me saw it that were that was in your shop but we had we had a good laugh over that and as did many people have a lot of enjoyment over the snowball situation yeah obviously the game was an instant classic it was a thrill to be there and witness it live it's the kind of game that i'll be telling my grandkids about but it, it i think in my memories it will kind of blend in with a lot until you start to say the snowball game it's like oh the snowball game yeah i, I remember everything about the snowball game because it was it was a lot of fun and obviously you know we got the big dubs at the end, on the golden foot of Tyler Bass himself, and the Bills stepped up. Dubs, Not every time, Bills, but Bills the Bills stepped up enough. So, so what are your feelings about the snowballs? Uncalled for, just something that uh, occurred due to the elements and such as such. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, uh, isolated incident because you know due to the weather and the elements, the a piece of it. I mean, it's so rare that you know not only the weather, but that the weather is going to come in a timing situation that the bills won't have the opportunity to clear the stands for us. So then they just gave us, you know, the ammunition. Uh, I shouldn't say us. I didn't throw any. I show I shouldn't, I shouldn't say us, but is it worth looking at in the future? Probably not. It's just kind of a one-off experience. I do think that if the refs were really agitated or worried about it, then they should have actually given the penalty. It was just empty words (laughs) coming from them all too often. And it was funny when the announcer, Clay Moden, when Clay Moden got on and was just repeatedly like, stop throwing snowballs. Like he was our dad. And sick, or until the last time that he, right. Or until the last time when he's like, listen to Josh, stop throwing snowballs. I actually really <laughs> liked him. Like I liked that the announcers just calling him Josh. Like, cause that's what we do. Like he's, it's yeah. clear that he's not for the one time in 20 years, he's not reading copy off a of paper. And then this is how it, how it flows, how it goes out there. And then eventually, you know, they, they eased up. Roquan Davis was, safe from his snowball pummeling. So yeah, I, I just think it was I, more positive than negative on the snowball situation. I think, I think it's funny how like, nobody would listen to the refs or any, but the announcer. And then yeah. once he said, Josh says, stop throwing snowballs, everyone's okay. right. Like, like oh, Josh okay. is like, 
Josh is like Red Foreman. That's the final word. <laughs> right. Red like Foreman. If he yells yeah, at right. you, 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 you do what he says. I tell you, hated it. So the people next to me, it was like this family of three, clearly not from the Western New York area or even like necessarily from the North, but Bill's fans. Right. But I think it's, but it's like, it was a mother, father, son. Son was maybe 14. The son into the Bills, clearly a Bills fan. The parents clearly could not care less at all. They just like brought him. And they did not, as soon as I got there, they, it was clear that they were unprepared and did not like the weather. I only heard the father say three things. He said, I'm ready to leave right now. This is absolutely <laughs> awful. And then a pause and he's like, drive me out here to the middle of nowhere to sit in this. And then he didn't say a single thing or stand for another hour and a half until I heard him say the next thing. The only other thing I heard him say, which was, I work outside all day, every day. Now I got to spend my weekend outside in this. And then I didn't hear him say another word the rest of the time. He also didn't stand <laughs> when like everybody else was standing. He was not having a good time. No. Why? But it was funny. It kept I it mean, in perspective. I wanted to like give yeah, him tips. I guess the I'm, things like, you do for you your child. You stand. I know. Right. It's a good right. dad. That's a good, good dad, dad but a bad, but a bad weather preparer. <laughs> I didn't really have a problem with the snowballs. I guess I did in the beginning. I'm like, when I first saw them coming and raining down on the players, I was like, eh, that's not cool. But let's act a little less childish here, Bill's Mafia. Huh. But wow. You know, okay. I was thinking like back to our first meeting with the Dolphins, and I'm just like, man, our players almost died from heat exhaustion. So like, yeah, fuck them. If the elements played a factor in that game, why can't they play a factor in this game? A hundred percent. Not that, not that the did. Dolphins fans brought the heat, but it was just like this is kind of what it is. It's almost mm. it's it's almost metaphorical to Happy Gilmore play it as it lies. Like the ball right. lands on his giant of a boss's foot. Shooter's got to play it as it lies. Absolutely. This is what you get. This is what you have to play in. Yeah, we had to play that ball off of Frankenstein's fat foot. Remember, play it as it lies. Yes, of course. Play it as it lies. So I, I was okay with the snowballs. I wasn't bothered by them, I guess. And yeah, I guess I was more bothered by like Sale getting hit. Our friend Sale Capaccio getting hit. I agree. He that's then the player did not deserve that. I agree. Yeah, he, he did not. Deserve Dolphins it. players hit them all you want. They're in pads. But... Sure, they yeah, have helmets. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> if you're just there um, trying to do your job, and your job yeah, is a right. professional football player. Come on, yeah, right, Tony. Despite all. The snowballs, all the extracurriculars happening during the game, weather related. Let's talk about the team on the field and the story of this game and what was a huge game for both teams. Bills win. They separate themselves from the rest of the AFC East with three games left. Dolphins win. They're right back in the hunt for the AFC East, being a game back of the Bills with now two divisional head-to-head matchups held over them or one over the Bills. The story to me on the field was... And much like it has been the past six weeks or so, this team finds a way to win the game. And they played incredibly dumb, especially on the defense side of the ball. You talked last week about fundamentals and how you wanted to see them get better. They got worse <laughs> this game. Tackling, <laughs> yeah, I know. Boneheaded, boneheaded decisions. Looking at you, Cam Lewis, and running into the punter, which was one of the dumber things I've ever seen, especially when you get off the field and your defensive struggle to get off the field this this game. But when it was crunch time, they came through. The defense came through. On the last three drives, they held the Dolphins to only one field goal. 
allowing for Josh Allen to have a game-winning drive and a game-tying drive. Josh coming through, of course, with those drives and just being MVP caliber, Superman-like player that we all expected him to be. He was absolutely incredible the entire game, putting it all on the line, especially on that two-point conversion. And then guys stepping up, guys like Devin Singletary, who's kind of found his niche role in this offense as being the closer, closing out games when they need to rely on the run, you know, and the, the last drives picking up gains of like six, seven, eight yards time after time to close out the game. That last run, he goes down instead of scoring a touchdown. Like they came through in the end in the clutch when they needed to the most. And that was other than playing an incredibly dumb game on defense. Uh, that was my story of this game. Well, I would concur with, I, I would, I would commiserate most of your story. Definitely. I think the best game Josh has had post elbow in the, in a, in the AE era, anti-elbow after after um, elbow yeah anti-elbowius yeah strong strong game there is gonna see that i do think in terms of fundamentals like i think the drop situation was a little bit better this game but on the defensive side fundamentals as you said still still lacking considerably and i did not like that and especially i don't like that you know dolphins have a pretty strong run game i think since the trade deadline i think they've dramatically improved that and yeah. our opponents coming up not Chicago, but our opponents coming up also have strong run games. So that is definitely something Leslie Frazier is going to be uh, needing to clean up here. Chicago does too with Fields and Montgomery, I'd say. They have a strong run game. You think? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that's I think, anything I, that I think that's handle. the strongest aspect of their offense, for sure. Oh, yeah, no. We can't handle. No. Well, maybe strongest aspect of their offense. Actually, I do, I do kind of disagree with that. But, I mean, of what I was about to say was like, of what is generally a pretty weak offense. Maybe it is the strongest aspect, but it's not strong. That's fair. In comparison to where they would need to be to compete in this league. But even then, I would say, I really like what Cole Komet is doing. I'm, I'm more concerned about that than, than the run game. Okay. If I had to choose something on their offense fair. to be concerned about. After the, de- after the defensive pass defense performance uh, against right. the Dolphins, uh, it, it is a concern. But you're right, Josh was incredible. 370, 381 all-purpose yards, four touchdowns. I mean, he he put the team on his back, which kind of uh, like was awesome. Like Josh doing Josh things, playing at MVP level, caliber type performance. It had shades of the Kansas City playoff game last year, where it's just like no matter what play is run, Josh is going to do something and do something positive. Mm-hmm. It's unstoppable. It had those kind of sentiments to it. Um, that being said, half of me was like, this is awesome. Josh is the best. I'm enjoying the moment for what it is. I'm also kind of thinking when it comes to end of game scenarios, like, Mm -hmm. does Ken Dorsey really have a game plan other than let's let Josh just go off? It seemed almost like helter skelter for times at times there where it's just like, okay, Josh, we're just going to hike the ball. And you're gonna do stuff. You you run the offense. That that that's what <laughs> I kind of think. Ken Dorsey said, "Josh, you run the offense." Well, I I'm not opposed to that. When you say it like that, I don't know if that's what I think is actually happening, but I'm intrigued by that because I think that Josh's version of the offense is closer to what we've seen in years past. Basically, what I'm saying is, I think Josh's version of the offense is closer to Dable's version of the offense than Ken Dorsey's. So, okay. Sign me up. Sure. 
That being said, also, I, I did for the first half of this game, thought it was the best game Ken Dorsey has called as yep. an offensive coordinator of this team. The second yes, half, there were some lulls and some dead spots. Yeah. But the first half, I thought he called a fantastic game. I thought in the fir- going into halftime, I thought the same thing. I was so relieved and refreshed that it the offense looked a little bit different than it had than it had in the weeks past. In that, not only did it look a little bit more like you know the Rams game to start this year off, but it looked a lot more right. like last year. It wasn't all just relying on yak yards. It was making the most of Josh's unique talents which I, as we said last week, like we haven't seen enough of. And then in the first half of this game, we did. And then I kind of thought, or I kind of speculated, okay, so now is Dorsey, like we look good. Dorsey's feeling comfortable with this. Dorsey's going to regress back in the second half to what he actually likes, which is not what is necessarily, which is not what is necessarily best. But I feel like that's kind of what we saw. And I didn't like that, but it's what happened. And we ended up winning anyway, but there was definitely like, I definitely thought I was hoping for more in the second half based on like I was, my heart became open during the first half and it was a little bit let down in the second half more so than I would have wanted it to be. But I hope that that's a learning experience for Dorsey of him saying like, Oh yeah, I I remember that this works. I guess maybe I can call this and not just try to make it like it was when he was a quarterback where he was the worst player on the offense and it's about everybody else. But no, I, like that at the end that he makes it about Josh because he should just always make it about Josh. All about Josh. This guy doesn't give enough get enough credit out of this team. I I did no, like most how Dorsey, underrated most underrated player in the league. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I did like how Dorsey at least in the first half. I thought he utilized matchups extremely well. Again, for like one of the first times in a while, getting guys in mismatches one on one. A la the Quentin Morris touchdown. Like Quentin Morris, obviously bigger, can out jump whoever. I don't know if it was Xavier Howard or whoever was guarding him at the time, but uh, bigger than whatever secondary was was opposing him. Getting Naheem Hines in space, a la his touchdown, is something we have been clamoring for for weeks now, or since we traded for Naheem Hines, get this guy in space and let him go to work. I, I thought that was well executed and the utilization of Dawson Knox continues to be on the uptick. And it's something that we've been waiting to see for a while. It's been slowly increasing the past couple of weeks, but I think this game was finally like the Dawson Knox game where it's like, Oh yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy we expected in this offense. <laughs> that's the weapon we thought we had when we signed him to an extension when we saw the potential last year of what he could do. And I thought like this was honestly his best game as a Buffalo Bill, Dawson Knox, that is, because he didn't just do it in the red zone. And he did do it in the red zone this game, but he did it in between the 20s, like in the open field, making plays, utilizing his athleticism to his advantage. It wasn't just as a red zone threat. It was in all across the field threat, which is how I want him to use be used. It it was a breath of fresh air, as Robert Royal says, a fresh of breath air. Hey, I'm liking what they're Matt. doing with Dawson Knox. It seems like they're fully reaching their potential with him in this offense. Yeah, and even this, and even the same thing with. I mean, maybe it's just because he's fresh off a touchdown, but even Quentin Morris also. Like I thought, we were bringing in Quentin Morris to have some sort of one-two athletic tight end dynamic that I haven't really yeah. seen yet, and that has kind of been a disappointment. So just seeing the tight end situation develop in general. Now, will that, I, I'm very curious to see coming up 
how that gets taken away. Will will we revert back to having like such a heavy sort of slot usage if the slot situation gets figured out? I mean, now we have Beasley. Now we have the face of the franchise. Obviously, you and I are like, well, Shakir gets better every week, of course, even if he does nothing. But I'm just like, you know, well, no, he's the best player on the team and maybe in the history of the league. So is that going to not keep up? Do tight ends even matter anymore if the slot situation kind of becomes like a new refreshing piece of this offense that, that can spark things along? And on Quentin Morris's touchdown, because I really like Quentin Morris. Take me there. I think he, he has great release off the line. I think he's a really good route runner for being a tight end. I think he's very shifty. And seeing that touchdown, I was like, man, we should be using Quentin Morris more. I agree. I think we should be using Quentin Morris more. But I don't know how his... Like, I don't know if even they figured out exactly the role that they envisioned the number two tight end being, you know? But I hope they figure it out soon because I think Quentin Morris could get it done, could do a nice job. I just don't think it's like... I just don't think it's written yet. But maybe they are figuring it out now with what we've seen in the past week. Every every time I see him make a... Every time he makes a play and they show a replay, it's like, man, that was a really good route he ran. Yeah. That's like a Stefan Diggs of tight ends kind of route where just really good release, really shifty, fluid hips. Like he just like I think he could be something. Maybe not like a top tier tight end, but one of the better secondary options mm-hmm. you have. If Dawson Knox is your your prime, he could he could I be I think he can have a role. A great. He could have he definitely have a role. I just think he he has a lot of uh he has a lot of gifts that can be utilized and taken advantage of on this offense. And again, it's about creating mismatches. And I think his skill set allows for, for mismatches, much like a guy like Naheem Hines scoring his first touchdown, still in the negatives in terms of rushing yards. So Reggie Bush watch is still on. Right. But it's good. <laughs> but it's good that he scored his first touchdown, got that off his back. But again, a great play call. Get him in space. Have him be shifty. Had him utilize his skill set to his advantage, and maybe the first like screen pass slash bubble screen kind of esque play that's actually worked the season for the Bills. I'd say. I, oh, I know when when Josh Lee said I like sat back down. I'm like, oh, well, this is obviously going to be nothing. This never works. And then, lo and behold, a touchdown. I was I was blown away. It was the most surprising touchdown of the season for me <laughs> as it unfolded. You're like, oh, Zach Moss. Oh, wait, hold on. For a second, for a second, I was. I do still <laughs> kind of forget Heinz is on the team. It's good to see these non-main guys stepping up. Dawson Knox, I would call a core main guy, but guys like Quinn Morris, guys like Naheem Hines stepping up. Khalil Shakira, he wolf, even though it counted in the end on a two-point conversion, still recovered that fumble if it was a fumble. Yeah, that's true. And if it that's was a, a point. fail point, two-point Good effort there. Just saying. Great effort from the He Wolf. Cannot dis- discredit that. Mm-hmm. But just just these guys stepping up on the offense, kind of you kind of see it with three weeks left in the season now, kind of kind of coming together of what this team could be. I still wish, looking at the team opposite us in this game, the Dolphins. I kind of love, and not kind of, I really love the offense they run. <laughs> and more, yeah. and more specifically, I love how they utilize Tyreek Hill. Having okay. him, he was in motion, pre-snap motion, every single play, it seemed like, which is a great utilization of his best asset, which is his speed, because by the time the ball is snapped, he's pretty much full up to full speed. So it's either you're jamming him at the line 
or you're kind of burnt already. And we saw that on the long touchdown pass. You kind of burned them, but it kind of had me wishing that, and I know these two players aren't comparable in any way, shape, or form, but I kind of wish they'd do that with Isaiah McKenzie. Like every single play, have him in pre-snap motion, get him up to speed before Mm -hmm. the ball's even snapped and let him utilize his speed as best he can. Like why, why can't we have a, a semblance of that with with Isaiah McKenzie, what what the Dolphins do with Tyree Kill, I was I was just watching it, not even like in frustration, just in like kind of confusion of like, why don't we do this? Like it works, mm-hmm. it's really good. It was really good. It, it helped the Dolphins in the run game, especially because it kind of had the Bills defense off balance. Where you see Tyree Kill coming through on a jet sweep, the defense would account for that before the ball snapped and shift that way, and then Mostert would would run off tackle the opposite way and have a lot of field to work with. It's like, yeah, Tyreek Hill's not getting the ball, but just him being in motion and being a threat like that every single play is is a domino effect in terms of having other aspects mm-hmm. of the offense be be effective. Like, why can't we we do that? Because we have a player that's kind of capable of it. So I was I was a little I was a little jelly throughout the game of of how they're using Tyreek Hill. It had me in similar feelings, but my thought process was more looking at the dynamic of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and me thinking like, yeah, well, like maybe what we have to do in the draft is invest a high pick into a Jalen Waddell type. Cause I look at what Jalen Waddell is like. I look at what they do with Jamar Chase. And I'm like, that's really a piece that's missing from what we're trying to do here. You know, I mean, our offense mm-hmm. is a lot less explosive than it used to be. And some of that is the inconsistency of Gabe Davis. Some of that is, you know, maybe it is that Beasley drops. was, yeah, the drops, maybe to some of those Beasley's like role is not, well, you, you know, maybe that is the story yeah. of the slot receiver. Uh, and however it is, it's confusing <laughs> to phrase because Beasley is on the team, but wasn't and is not, not that, you right. know. So anyway, um, so the, so maybe it's, it's part of that and maybe part of it is just like the vision of Dorsey, but I would love to have just like a home run just like, you know, an, a, a real home run athlete in there, kind of like what, it, you know, the kind of thing that like what Sammy Watkins was supposed to be when we traded up yeah, yeah. to get him instead of Khalil Mack. Obviously, I'm still bitter over that. Um, and now could we do it with Isaiah McKenzie? I, if his fundament, if his fundamentals and if his head gets right, I mean, he's the face of the franchise, but he's the butthole of my memories because he <laughs> is, has just been such a letdown a letdown after a lot of games this year um so yeah i mean to do that i don't know where do you stand on that are, are you on team first round wide receiver um i kind of am now yeah yeah i just look at what this offense could be if we had like Diggs is amazing top five receiver but if we had two of those guys like the dolphins do mm-hmm you feel like this offense could just be unstoppable and yeah. they're already, they're already putting up, you know, 30 plus points in a majority of these games. And that is despite the fact that, you know, Gabe Davis has not been what we expected. And as, as I said, needed contacts. Cause I, I really think he does. I really think he needs his eyes checked, but because yeah. the drops, but uh, his depth perception is just not there for some reason, which is, which actually goes to my theory as why they were sitting front row at the Syracuse basketball game. <laughs> okay. Not only because they're lo- not only because they're local celebrities and they probably got comp tickets, but I think they right. did it for Gabe because he need he can't, he can't see from any farther out. It's all blurry to him. Yeah, that makes sense. 
He's like Stevie Wonder at the Lakers game. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but just to have a second digs level player, and I look at like the Lions have Jameson Williams come on late in the season after his his health scare and and literally his first play, he just blew the roof off for like a 60 yard touchdown pass. It's like, yeah, these guys could just come out of college and just be like amazingly effective. Justin Jefferson, they don't yeah. need to be ramped up anymore. They're just really good players. And if we had a guy on Diggs's level opposite Diggs, that would just, and, and for what Josh brings to the table, that would just, man, that would be a, a super fun offense to watch. But I also don't think they're utilizing these guys correctly. They're finally starting to use Dawson Knox in a way we expected them to and utilizing it. But I mean, I just go back to the, the off season, the summer of like, all the reports of Isaiah McKenzie's unstoppable and Isaiah McKenzie's going to be a factor in this offense. And yeah, some of it, some of that has been his own doing of why he's not the drops, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. But the guy has a skill set that not a lot of people in the league have, and that is pure speed. Like, I would be running him and Dawson Knox on crossing routes every single play, just crossing each other up because one of them is bound to get open. I just don't know if they're like half of me thinks they're just not utilizing these guys correctly. And if they did, I, that's what I think too. I think that we can utilize and maybe even that with Gabe Davis a little bit, because it just feels like we know how to utilize Stefan Diggs, but even then only kind of, and it's just like, I don't know. Just the dynamic of the offense has changed so much under Dorsey in ways that I didn't anticipate. And I think it's just like a lot of the plays maybe are the same, but his just, his tastes are different. And I hope his palette in that metaphorical sense develops in a different way over time. Cause just like, I don't know, the yeah, plays I, that he runs are just I like, agree. okay, effective or not, like it's just not as exciting as the old days. Well, it's not exciting because they don't do anything pre-snap. It's like they just line yeah. up and it's, it's like, go run your route and hopefully you win your one-on-one battle. And hopefully Josh can pull something out of his ass. Some, one, a couple of times a game like the again they just I don't feel like they do anything to confuse the defense or um, put their offense in an advantageous position in any way with pre-snap stuff it's just line up and I feel like sometimes they rest on their laurels and their laurels are they're more talented than the guys they're playing against talent yes yes yeah. I I and, will say go ahead no no I'm done <laughs> well I was just okay no I was just gonna say I did not think coming off of what I think was the offenses, like the offense that we saw in this past game is the offense that I liked the most of the past month, from the last months. And I didn't think that this would be such a Dorsey, like shit on Dorsey fest after that game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, here it's we are. not, it, it's not because I do think Ken Dorsey called a pretty good game. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like a shit on Dorsey fest, but I'm just seeing these players who, have been successful in the past. Like Ken, Dor- Ken Dorsey's whole thing was he was going to take Dable's offense and bring a fresh new look to it. And, and, and this is all just surmising and, and guesstimating based on our hopes and dreams, I guess, if Ken Dorsey would mm-hmm. come in and get the most out of the players that have previously were previously underutilized, like the Isaiah McKenzie's of the world. Because every time Isaiah McKenzie and Dale's offense is like, man, every time he gets a ball, he does something positive. Like, we should be using him more. Right, right. And again, a lot of it's Isaiah's own doing with some of his play this year. But it's like, I just also don't feel like Dorsey. I feel like Dorsey's given up on him. Like, maybe that was the game plan early in the year. The first month of the year is like, man, Isaiah's going to be a big part of this offense. I mean, look at the first game against the Rams, scored a pretty crucial touchdown. 
which was like kind of a traditional slot receiver touchdown, like a quick inside slam. Yeah. Um, so you kind of saw early on maybe, okay, like this could work. And then I think the drops happened and some of the mental mishaps happened. And I think Dorsey moved on quickly throughout the season. So I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's a, a utilization thing or Dorsey being vanilla thing or the personnel is not right thing. I don't know. Like, but Again, I think we're speaking too negative because the Bills had to put up 32 points and their quarterback looked like a freaking superhero all game. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> and a lot of guys got involved. I think that's the, the most important thing. Uh, Tony, I don't know what's about the offense before we move to the defensive side of the ball. No, I just want to note that how you said, like, Josh looked like a superhero. This would have been a very different conversation if Josh was a half inch short, shorter on the oh, two-point know, conversion. Right? You know, like, we would be, we would have been saying a lot of the same things, but we would have been saying, you know, Josh was full of problems this game and the offense is too much on him. And I don't know, like it, it's, You're right. it was yeah. still pretty close and there was, there was still a lot to learn from. And I hope they do. Yeah. I, I think that's very well said. Um, game of inches, right? I mean, cliche game it of is. inches, game of inches, uh, Tony moving on to the defensive side of the ball. We talked about the fundamentals, bad tackling. It was atrocious. I think they had 126 missed tackles this game. <laughs> By my count, maybe over exaggerating, okay. but I, I think it's pretty mm. close. Um, I just really don't. This is what drives me nuts with Leslie Frazier. It's like, yeah, the the DVOA stuff is good, and stats and data are good, and I mean the I for some reason like the eye test never has a passing grade for me with Leslie Frazier's defense because I just don't know what they were doing this game. I looked at and I watched the Dolphins play the Chargers the prior week. And what the Chargers did to disrupt the Dolphins offense, which is all based on timing, like anybody who's watched any Dolphins game is like, this offense is based on timing. It's not too improvising. It's not like it is a timing offense, which is Mm -hmm. great for what they do. But what the Chargers did was two things. They jammed the receivers at the line super aggressively, and they made Tua throw outside the numbers when he doesn't have the strongest arm. And it takes him a while to get the ball to the outside like and the bills did none of that (laughs) none of what the chargers defense did successfully the bills did and i'm just asking myself throughout the game as i'm cursing and throwing things and uh wondering what the heck is going on like did you guys learn anything did you watch any tape from that game like the dolphins offense was a mess an absolute mess against the chargers their worst offensive performance of the year just do what the chargers did (laughs) It's not <laughs> difficult. I was extremely frustrated at um, not only the the scheme, but also the personnel on the field, guys missing tackles, blown coverages. Uh, it was not a standout defensive performance on Saturday night from this Bills defense. No, no. Well, in the fourth quarter, I would say it was. They showed up when it counted, but there were a lot of – I think the defense – I think that uh, – the offensive minds in Miami knew how to exploit, knew how to best use the speed of their offense to exploit uh, our defense, to exploit, you know, uh, uh, I presume not 100% recovered Trey and some young and experienced sort of inconsistent other corners that are going to be covering and Hamlin. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say they, it was, it was tough going. It was a tough going journey. The uh, Hamlin was bad. 
Yes, he was. This was Hamlin's worst game as a bill. The Waddle touchdown. I, I like those uh, things on Twitter after a touchdown score, the little motion dots to show how a play like develops. Oh, yeah. But yeah. If you watch the Waddle touchdown one, mm-hmm. as I did, the little dots moving, I asked myself multiple times just watching that seven second clip of dots moving. What the hell is anyone doing on the defense? <laughs> like Jaron Johnson has the guy in the flat. I don't know who it was. Kasicki maybe. And Trey has possibly Hill, I guess on the other side, but then anyone else in coverage is just in absolute no man's land. Like Waddle is the only guy running that deep route. And Trey Edmonds is not in position. Jordan Poyer is not in any kind of position to make a play. I don't know what Jordan Poyer is doing that, but he steps up into a, a, a nothing space. Like nobody's running into his space that warrants him stepping up. I don't know mm-hmm. what Matt Milano's doing. Like everyone else on that play in the secondary that are in coverage are just in no man's land. And I've never seen a breakdown like that in this secondary. It was bad. And I kind of wondered like all game, like, what is DeMar Hamlin's role this game? And to me, like, watching the game, it uh-huh. was it was Tyreek Hill over the top. Do not let Tyreek Hill go over. Like, it seemed just the way he was shifting and the coverages he was showing. Like, that was his sole job, was to not let Tyreek Hill beat us over the top. So when Tyreek Hill does beat us over the top, I lost my mind. On Tyreek Hill's touchdown, <laughs> DeMar Hamlin's sole role is to cover over the top on Tyreek Hill. He is so late to react on that Tyreek Hill touchdown. It is absolutely infuriating. When the ball is snapped, he should be going to that side of the field. If he's in the middle Mm -hmm. of the field, which he was this play, don't wait till the ball is thrown. Go on the snap. Go to that. Start shifting over to that side of the field. It almost reminded me when I played Tecmo Super Bowl when I was a kid, I would always be the safety on defense. Just always. And I would just go right in the middle of the screen. And then whatever receiver the quarterback was throwing to, I would just up or down, just shift over. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't it, it wasn't hard in an eight-bit video game. Like if Demar Hamlin's single role is to do that, like just do it. He he made things look extra difficult on Saturday nights. He was not good. Well, and I was frustrated. <laughs> I mean, that's the mismatch that we fear, right? Is I mean, you know. Hamlin, probably the worst of the 11 starters, and Tyreek Hill, probably the best player on the Dolphins. So, you know, I mean, that obviously Hamlin's going to look bad in comparison with a situation like that. But, I mean, I think that is a long-term concern because as we get into the postseason, like that's who we're going to have to – every team is going to have some kind of Tyreek Hill that we're going to have to worry about. Um and we're just sticking Hamlin out there. I mean, I'm hearing this and I'm just like, man, hide. Like, what do you, how do you feel? You know? Well, it was interesting that like after that game, you, I, I saw at least a lot more talk about and a lot more videos of like Hyde practicing on the sidelines or a lot more like Hyde comeback hype after that game Saturday right. night. Just right. seemed a little coincidental. Yeah. Eh, you know, a guy can hope. Yeah. But it's like that, that, that was my fear at the beginning of the season was, if Hyde goes down, which unfortunately he did, they have right. not they have not groomed a suitable replacement for what Micah Hyde does. They're mm-hmm. all they were all in the box thumping kind of guys. 
Damar Hamlin, right? Jaquan Johnson, Josh Thomas when he was on the team. Like they had no replacement for Micah Hyde. And you saw because of that, they had to try in the beginning of the season or in the offseason, I should say, over the summer. They had to try Nick McLeod at safety. Cam Lewis had mm-hmm. to come play safety because they didn't have that right. center fielder who can just assess the play and act accordingly to break up to break up passes. They had guys who are in the box, like to tackle, like to be aggressive. And that was a big concern for me in the offseason. They had they don't have a suitable Micah Mike Hyde replacement. And I think we're kind of seeing that come to fruition right now. I think I would say so. Um if that's a fear that they've always had, yeah, like it's and now we it's you know, how many people are gonna trying in there? We tried Cam Lewis, Xavier Rhodes is in the mix. Right. It's like Xavier Rhodes in our one. Good. And there, I mean, yeah, like we have we have to get high back. So are we thinking first round dynamic wide receiver, second round safety? I, third I like round O line. Okay. That that's under the impression that they're gonna re-sign Poyer, which I kind of think they are at this point. See, I'm thinking if anything second round it either way. We obviously need safety depth. If yeah, all the more true. reason that a second round safety would be fine if in the case of if we don't resign. Hyde not Poirier. coming back. Or hide not coming back. Yeah. Yeah, or hide not coming back. Yeah. I guess. Like not coming back because I, of injury. I, like I, I, I wouldn't yet. mind that. I wouldn't mind yeah. that. And then Hamlin can be like I like Hamlin. Like I think he's good. I just think he's not suited to play a free safety yeah. role. He's not he's not there yet. Yeah. Maybe his coverage skills are up to snuff. Yeah, I just think right. He he's more a strong safety. He's more a Poyer. I think what they're trying to do is mm-hmm. shift Poyer into the Hyde role, which I don't think he's done in his career. And then, right? They're they're just kind of they're just kind of both free safeties where they could just go and <laughs> right. whatever. I don't know. It's freestyling, if you will. Um, yeah, not not a great Demar Hamlin game. And he's had some good games this year. Yes, mm, I, I would like some to draft. okay games this year. I like where your head's at. The Bills are eleven and three on the yeah, cusp of I'm, I'm already one seed on in the, the AFC, season. and you're talking about the draft. Yeah, that's right. I like that. I've been um, conditioned to think oh. this way. Okay, it's December. It's draft time. That's right. I'm gonna do a mock right after this. You should NFL Draft Network. Tony, the other note I had, of course, was the return of Kyrie. Elam. Last week we had a great musical performance from the legendary <laughs> musical. <Rock Stella. laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Asking us where in the world is Kyrie Lim? He showed up. The Bills front office heard our plea. Showed up. What do you think Kyrie Elam's return? You know, generally positive. Uh, I'm glad he got the opportunity. I know that statistically it seemed okay. Um, he did no worse than anybody else. I'll put it that way. Right. In the sense that I watched our other corners get burned frequently, especially on horizontal routes situations right. and situations. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he looks like he belonged. So I'm happy to get him out there. I mean, the guy needs reps either way. So get him out there, you know. That's what I was thinking. It's like he hasn't played in, what, three weeks other than a special teams right. rep here or there. And he looked mm-hmm. no worse for the way. He, exactly as you said, he doesn't look any worse than any of our other cornerbacks minus Trey White. Because right. I, I think Trey White had a, for now playing 100% of snaps, had a pretty nice game. He's looking kind of like the old Trey White. The Trey White we're he's getting there. We're used to. He's getting there. Uh, but it, it's it's clear as day that Kyir Elam is the second best cornerback on this team. Like those are the two you need to roll with, White and Elam. Well, yeah. That, I mean, that's because so, Dane has really been blowing me lately. Right. So why why wasn't this guy playing? We'll never know. He should have been. Do you think that? Do you Long think? Story short. In your speculation, 
is his increased usage a Dane has been blowing it lately or is it a Kyrie Lim has been looking good lately? We'll never know the truth, but just like, what are your thoughts? I think the former, I think Dane's been blowing it lately. I also I think, think the bills are, lately. I also think the bills are susceptible to media pressure sometimes. Oh yeah. I think so too. Uh-huh. And it's like, Oh, where's this guy? Why, why haven't we heard from this guy? Where's this guy? Been? And now it's like, Oh yeah. Now we're going to play him this week. So you get off our backs a little. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. That's just my two cents. seems like, that's that's kind of a track record for them, but he he looks good, and it's it's weird that you throw him back into the fire against the top receiver tandem in the league, but he right. has his own, and it can only mean good things moving forward here. I w- I would imagine. I have to agree. I hope it happens this week in Chicago. Tony, breaking news. Okay, Rockapella is back. It was such a hit last week they decided oh. to come back for another segment of Where in the World. Yeah. <laughs> Tony, this could be a regular thing now. Rockapella is such a hit. If it's a regular thing, I'm writing a song. Okay. <laughs> we don't. We have a song. Rockapella's doing the song. I know, but I'm gonna re- I'm gonna write another verse. Tony, which player from this week, this past game against the Dolphins, were you wondering? Where in the world is this guy? Why is he not making plays? Why is he absent? Why is he invisible out there? Who, if you could choose one player that you were searching for, who would that one player be on Saturday against the Dolphins? Well, I didn't realize it was this player until I saw him out there and was like, oh yeah, that player exists. And it's Reggie Gilliam. And I often find myself forgetting about Reggie Gilliam as a piece of this offense, uh, which maybe is to an extent what a fullback is supposed to be. But sure. when I saw him out there, I'm like, oh yeah, that's another would-be wrinkle that I feel like Dorsey isn't utilizing. I don't, I often don't see him getting the snaps I think he would or that I might be used to. Um, oftentimes Singletary is like, you know, out there on an island uh, in a surprising way. But, you know, especially I would have thought I would have seen him more with all the, uh, with all the off- offensive line injuries. And we got GVR shifting over to center who is, never up to expectation or never up to standard. So I'm kind of surprised that I'm not seeing the utilization of, of Reggie in there at all. I mean, and you know, in the tight end role kind of piece to it too, like that's an an opportunity for another athlete to be out there and, and I don't see it. And uh, especially for all the drops and mistakes for all the yak focus for a lot of reasons that I can think of. Like I would, I, I would have thought that I'd be seeing Reggie Gilliam more. And I think he's good. And we just re-signed him. I do, I do too. We yeah. just extended I, him. So There's another guy you could put into the, like, they're not utilizing him to his full capabilities. Yeah. Like an athletic fullback who can, who can catch out of the backfield and is good at typical traditional fullback duties as well. Like I look at, and this, the offenses aren't comparable, but Kyle Shanahan's offense in San Francisco with Kyle Juszczyk. Like, can we use... Reggie Gilliam in that way, get him in in the flat and in space and have him utilize his athleticism a little more. I, I, I like that mm-hmm. one, Reggie Gilliam. The only time I really saw him, I think he was celebrating Dawson Knox's touchdown or something. Yeah. He ran over and like smacked him on the helmet. I'm like, oh, Reggie Gilliam, still on this team. Uh, Tony, for my where in the world, I'm going a little bigger here. And I'm okay. going to go with Ed Oliver. I, he was a candidate for me too. And I... Ed Oliver's usually Mr. Reliable in terms of 
man, nobody's playing a good on this defensive line except Ted Oliver. Um, he's usually the one where I can rely on to make a play when it counts or when we need it. Um, these past couple of weeks, he's been noticeably absent. Like his, I haven't heard his name. I haven't even seen him mm-hmm. on a replay and been like, oh, that's a nice play by Ed Oliver, even though maybe he's not making the tackle. Maybe he's not disrupting the pocket. Maybe he's doing something. He's, he's double teaming on a stunt or, you know, he's doing something to affect the play. Maybe not directly, but indirectly, of course. Um, I'm just wondering where's that Oliver, but like, where's the dominant Ed Oliver been lately? I haven't seen it. Yeah. I think like, I remember him, I can remember him in the backfield a couple of times, but I more remember him celebrating him back there. Like I can picture at Oliver, you know, slamming like pantomiming slamming thing. Right. But I can't really picture him like actually during between the whistles doing right. doing very much of anything. And yeah, for that reason, I, I agree with you. I would have thought I'd be seeing more. But to count it's weird, like to counter that, we might be thinking with a banged up defensive line, who is it's like, all right, well, Ed Oliver's really got to step up here and we'll be seeing him as the star of this. And then instead, who has been the star? I would argue Lawson. Shaq Lawson. The <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the the most unlikely of candidates. Right. This is a wild team we have this year. What a wild bunch of, of guys. This team. Mm-hmm. I say my I say it's I say it to myself a lot. I'm just like this team. This team. This team is wild. Like, like if this like is the team that like, does it. Yeah. Like if this is the team yeah. that does it, we're gonna be like, what? Like this doesn't like this this one is this the one team? that's so wild. Right. It's right. just like insane. It would be. It would be. Tony, uh, what do you say we uh, wrap up the episode, though? Much like the gifts under my tree, I want to see it wrapped up. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but my drink is so delightfully cold thanks to Traveling Growler. And since we know place to go, keep it cold, keep it cold, keep it cold with a Traveling Growler koozie. Koozie starting at just $5. Check out www.travelinggrowler.com today. And now, back to the show. Before we get into our thank yous and closing, Tony, let's give our listeners a quick parting gift. Long holiday weekend, other than opening presents, celebrating, spending time with family. Maybe there's a show or a a band they can listen to or a movie to watch or something else that you give a suggestion to the to the listeners. What what would you uh, what would be your parting gift for the listeners this week? Uh, My parting gift is I'm going to say uh, a band. It's not really a band. It's a singer. Uh, that I've been really t- taking a deep dive on. And uh, the singer is Talk. Have you heard of Talk? No, I've been silent on Talk. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Spotify guy. I'm an Amazon music guy. I, As am I. have my allegiance to Jeff Bezos and no one else. And the, uh, no, he's got three songs that I was able to find on Amazon music, even though he seems a lot more prominent. There's three songs. There's the song, which I really like, uh, uh, Runaway to Mars, and then there's Runaway to Mars string version, and then there's a cover of How to Save a Life by the Fray. <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, all three cover. of these songs, yeah, all three of these songs, I am just on repeat play all the time with these things. And then even every once in a while, like if some other musical project comes on that Talk is involved with, I end up liking that song too. So my recommendation is get into Talk, which is really what podcasts are all about, but get into the singer Talk. Because it's pretty good. Listen he has a talk, voice very talk, similar talk to Mumford and Sons, and talk about talk, right? Which is what I'm doing. I heard talk, right. and now I'm talking about talk with you. We're gonna have a talk talk. That's talk, the witty talk. not. That's the next podcast is witty not funny talk talk. It's a podcast 
that's not funny at all. It's witty, but it's about we're talking talk, talking talk with Tony and Matt. I like that. That's a great. That's actually a great name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Good suggestion, uh, Tony. I'm going a, a little different. Uh, a recent purchase I made. Okay. Off like Amazon. This. You've heard of the company. You know the company okay. well. Um, well, I for, do. I mean, this, uh, both of ours were from Amazon. Both of our suggestions. Yes, yeah, right. Amazon, so. Um, okay. All right. I have my Amazon app open. I got the search bar going. I'm ready to tell you, or I'm ready to look it up. For, is I, not be for everyone, it. but if you're if you're a gamer and a video gamer, I mean, nope. Uh, closing is, the app. <laughs> this is a awesome gift uh, for a low low price of just forty dollars, straight from China, straight from those little children's hands. I purchased the Pow Kitty V90. Now let me explain. Because it is a weird name. It's a weird little device. It's almost like a little like clam, like a like a flip, like a flip phone, but a a, a Game Boy, if you remember those. Um, and it comes pre-stocked straight out of the box with every emulator and every ROM of old school video games from the PlayStation One on down. So every Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Gear, Game Boy game preloaded into this little thing uh it's a it's a wild nostalgic trip down memory lane it is it is really cool it's fairly cheap uh the pow kitty v90 uh i was playing some old nintendo ice hockey if you remember mm. that game listeners where you could pick, i do uh, that you I could do. choose Derek a country like and then pick reasonably pe- good who was that Derek plant was like unreasonably good he was like way better in the game than in real life. No, this was like the first ice hockey game ever for Nintendo. You could pick a country. Oh, like not an NHL you, game. No, it wasn't an NHL license game. It was just, it was called ice hockey. And you could pick your roster. It gets us of four guys and you could pick between a fat guy, a skinny guy and a medium guy. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I kind of remember that. Now that you say that. Yeah. It's super fun, yeah. uh, but it has all those old school games, all the Mario's and Zelda's and everything. Pow Kitty V90. It's really cheap. It's super fun. That's my parting gift for the listeners. Tony, what do you say we wrap this thing up, though? Yeah, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Thank you to our sponsor, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. By the time you listen to this episode, the gift-giving season might be over for you, but that doesn't stop you from buying a Traveling Growler koozie starting at just $5. They're great gifts any time of the year. www.travelinggrowler.com. Huh. The t-shirt store, teespring.com. Search Witty Not Funny. We just added an awesome new design, a little throwback. Speaking of retro nostalgic things, a little throwback to the old video game quarterback club, the ad with Zubas and all the quarterbacks. It's a very funny ad. We put it on our Twitter feed, but instead of the quarterback club, we have the Allen Club. Awesome retro design, all kinds of cool colors. You can get them in pink and yellow and like all 80s 90s vibes to it but check that out our allen club t-shirt brand new design in the witty not funny t-shirt store teespring.com search witty not funny all one word you can also find that design as well as a couple others on the built-in buffalo t public page as well so check that out um where to find the podcast you can find the podcast anywhere you find podcasts or listen to for free on the built-in buffalo podcast network spotify itunes Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Search Built in Buffalo. Search Way Not Funny. If you like us, leave us a review. Subscribe. 
we always like to say whether you give us two hours or two hours, two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. So thank you for everyone that has has tuned into this podcast. Uh, 113 episodes in now. Tony, Twitter handles. Where can the listeners find you? At Tony Ambrose is a great place to find me. Dropping the tree for the A shortly. Oh, that's right. Yes. You'll know it because the A is a Christmas tree. Yes. Not for much longer. You can find the podcast at Witty Sports 716. Again, thank you uh, all who have followed us in the past week and have checked out our Twitter feed. Uh, sometimes we don't have many good tweets, but sometimes one slips through the cracks and goes a little viral. And this week was mm-hmm. that. So thank you. Shout out to all the new followers. Give us a follow. We'll follow back. We love connecting with the Buffalo sports community out there. Uh, Tony, send off for the listeners. What do you have uh, before this, <sighs> this Christmas? I mean, very, you know, day. very topical. It's obvious. Stay warm. Stay safe. Happy snow day. Don't do anything dumb. Uh, I, I just hope that we all weather the storm with the utmost aplomb that we can. Yes. Yeah, stay safe out there. If you're in the Western New York area, it is bad. <laughs> Uh, don't drive, stay warm. Hopefully the power stays on for you and you can listen to this podcast in the process. Uh, even if the power doesn't stay on for you and watch the bills game, check us, you can watch the bills and watch the bills game, um, on Saturday. Uh, if you don't watch I the bills say, game, this podcast will be nothing to you. So this will mean nothing. You should watch. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Watch the, uh, that's right. Uh, as I always say, stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Go bills. Peace. Bye. Bye. Later. Marshawn is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It's it's it kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank it's you for that. Stitching you Definitely. guys. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb! It builds a bomb! It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.